summertime, summertime, some, some, summertime here on the Owls Americas, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American accent. We're back. It's like that one day a week in your summer vacation, you check your work emails and then you find that uh, James Allen has put out a 17 point agenda for this pre pre preseason podcast, even though there's no actual news. James, how's it going and what are you drinking? Hey, Jeff. Happy uh, happy summer vacation. Um, it's going very well. Uh, I'm back in my closet. It's 99 degrees outside in New York, and uh, it's sweltering, and uh, that means I'm uh, I'm basically about to probably die in a sort of sauna-related accident in my uh, in my recording closet, which is great. Uh, but I'm drinking, uh, so I have some hydration, an 18 watt IPA from Single Cut Beersmiths up in Astoria, Queens, which is uh, I've only had one sip of it. It's absolutely delicious, um, and it's been quite a long afternoon of drinking because there's been this little matter of the World Cup going on. So. Uh, uh, I'm uh, I'm trying to carry the good times through. We will get on to that. I am making a commitment to at least mediocre audio fidelity. I'm not running the air conditioning unit in my recording studio, as it were. And it is a sweltering one. I can only imagine it's more steamy in the city, because that's usually the way it works. Out in the probably also incredibly hot and humid Midwest is our Ohio owl, Evan Skilter. Evan, what are you drinking? It, it absolutely is incredibly hot. In fact, I was out west uh, last week and the week before, and we had this heat wave out west. It was 102 degrees on my last work day there, and I flew back right into the heat wave, and so now I've come back to 100 degrees in northwest Ohio. Um, so lovely, lovely weather. I'm drinking a Pabst American Pale Ale. Uh, it's something that I've just started to notice on the shelves. I don't know if it's a thing that's been around it's a while. It's their new thing. They're branching out from the classic PBR. Well, I'll tell you one thing. It actually is surprisingly good. It's a pretty refreshing pale ale, and uh, I've, I've been really enjoying it. Does nobody actually drink lager anymore? Is that the issue? Pint of lager? I have a lager upstairs. I just you know, I wanted to try something new. I kind of suspect that probably a few people in the uh, in good old England were <laughs> drinking a bit of lager this afternoon. Uh, in, in case you've missed it, by the way, there's a, there's a bit of a, a crisis going on in in the UK at the moment. There is a CO2 shortage, which uh, apparently has put in peril the uh, the supplies of lager and Carling and uh, Carlsberg to the uh, the pub chains of Weatherspoons and and otherwise. So uh, no, maybe maybe Jeff, no one is drinking lager anymore. It's uh, not going to get any better if you don't have any hot air coming out of commentators after England loses on penalties. Uh, this is true. I mean, which is an absolute guaranteed in this world, <laughs> right? There's going to be an ongoing CO2 shortage. So the agenda. We will talk about, about the World Cup later in the show. We have to clean up some Wednesday news from our long, hot summer. Wednesday themselves are back in preseason training and in a brand new kit. And as we do on the show... Because preseason gives a chance to get a little more uh, funky and out there with our match-slash-city previews. We'll have a bunch of those, including a trip to something I'm reliably told is called Frickly Athletic. We'll get more into that later in the show. You might be surprised who's giving you that preview as well. But we'll start with the goings-on in Wednesday land. Players have been on vacation. Owls America has been on vacation. 
but the players seemed to have a little bit more fun than we did, James. Uh, well, I, Evan was just saying that he'd been out west, so maybe you know we've 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 actually kind of managed to fuse the worlds of Wednesday and and Al's Americas. But yeah, the I think the only real detail we know about where the players have been this summer is that at least half of them rocked up in a pool party in LAX at some point on uh, on Jack Hunt's Instagram uh, with a, a particularly incredible picture of um, Adam Reach's shorts, which were very very tiny. Um, and I've got to say, Adam Reach has got a rather, rather nice washboard stomach. So um, I, w- I was quite impressed. I don't know if anybody else was. I'd really like to not talk about that, actually. Uh, that picture is hanging on my bedroom wall right now. But unfortunately, it's on my wife's side of the bed. So <laughs> I have to uh, say, the most impressive thing in that yeah. photo for me was not Adam Reach. I was not like, I guess you just sort of think is of Tom Lee's as like a traditional, like doughy West Yorkshirean central center back but i guess just like all these dudes are absolutely jacked now but like tom lee's is he didn't have like the full like shakiri like washboard ads but he's in very good shape you kind of you did think he was a pasty ginger englishman didn't you and and to be fair he is ginger but there was nothing pasty and nothing uh nothing sort of uh mild about that physique yeah Uh, sorry i mean we're we're getting into quite a big analysis here of uh, of just how uh, absolutely stacked the Wednesday squad is but they they look like they're having a really good time the serious point in all of this is that if you look at that there were like six or seven players all the way out in the states um I think I'm not quite sure what the the reason was I've got a funny fit I know Jack Hunger made this this summer I don't know if it was connected to that but you know Hooper was there Fletcher was there Barry Bannon was there um it's just really good to see them all hanging out together in the close season right i mean um you know obviously with a bond and, and enjoying spending time with each other and uh, and also wearing some very very fashionable swimming shorts <laughs> they are back in training now and we've learned for from what interviews have come out is that the emphasis is finally i guess on fitness everyone was surprised that they're actually running now and that's a good thing i suppose i didn't really notice lack of i mean i noticed lack of fitness last year in the squad up and down but like not lack of like running ability i guess so they never actually ran under carlos well we might not have noticed it but they a couple of them have actually come out and and talked about it and how different it it is compared to the last few years and to be honest i think that's an incredibly important thing um hopefully we come out with some fire We, we haven't really started well the last couple years um you know if you look back Last season, we, we only won one in August with three draws and a loss. Before that, I think one win, two losses, and a draw or two. Um, and before that, I looked it up earlier, one win, two losses, and two draws. So um, that's not good. That's not a, a good way to start, especially considering the fact that the two automatic promotion or two teams that have won automatic promotion in the last three years have all won at least two. But in most cases, uh, three or four. So uh, it's really important to get off to a good start, and hopefully, this fitness, uh, this, this change in uh, style, will will go a long way. Opta Evan, bring in the stats. I, I was going to say that 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 was quite intimidating. It's more content uh, that we so had in the entire first season of this show. Yeah, Oof, you know, that, you know, Cardiff Cardiff won all five of their matches in August last year. No, but I do now. Um, I, I feel like Evans just attacked preseason with a uh, with sort of the bit between his teeth and uh, armed with a calculator and sort of a, a Billy Bean sort of approach to uh, to podcasting. Uh, I'm going to raise my I'm going to go away and uh, and sort of put myself in boot camp before we get to August. You don't want to peak uh, too early though, James. It's a long season. No, but 
but ever ever to set a bar. I mean, look, I, I I mean, kind of getting back to the serious point, you know, some some people have suggested that it's an easy cop out for the players to say that they weren't fit enough last year. That you know, it's the players' responsibility that they should have got themselves into shape, whether or not it was the club program whether Carlos prioritized it or otherwise but what was very very clear last year was that the the kind of the preseason regime under Carlos was you know really about kind of gelling the team gelling the squad taking them away to Portugal you know relatively relaxed um more about you know kind of low low key low intensity training and and he had this belief that you had to play out over the whole season you had to save yourself for the last part of the season it's the complete uh, inverse of what you've just described Evan and what the stats I think bear out and whether or not you believe players coming out and saying that they wanted more fitness work and that they're grateful to see it in this preseason is definitely happening so we know that they spent five days in uh, in Chester last week they're back there again this week um, it's rigorous in terms of the you know the running and the fitness training they're doing they're building a base um, and yeah hopefully that sets us in really good stead and it's, it's gonna be fascinating I think our first preseason like preseason game for the first team is in about two weeks and just to see you know how they play does do we see more pace and more um more dynamicism amongst these players than, than we saw up until you know the very back end of last season i, I think all of us hope so i'm pretty interested to to see just what the squad looks like on day one you know we have fletcher lee hodge hooper westwood back in training uh we obviously ended the season on a, on a high note without I think all of those guys last year. So, you know, it's it's going to be so interesting to see, number one, how, how the players do gel. And number two, are we going to see Newhue and Hooper up front? Or is Fletcher going to, to snag a spot? Um, you know, I think, I don't think there's any question, Lee, Lee and Hutch will be in if, they, uh, if they're fit. But, uh, you know, what about Westwood? Is is he just going to automatically get a spot back? I just think there's a lot of a lot of good good competition that stemmed from the success from the end of last year, and uh, it'll make the beginning of this year very interesting. It's the great unknown, isn't it? Um, and it's kind of a bit of a cliche to say this, but when you've had players that have been out for as long as some of the the people you just name checked have, it's almost like having new signings. So, you know, a fully fit Hutch coming back in, dare I say it, can, is there such thing as a fully fit Hutch? Is is that sort of like a, a mirage? But, you know, that that could just be a complete game changer for us next season. We've no idea, you know, exactly what the state of fitness of those players is going to be. Um, but it's certainly from from the soundings that Yoss has been putting out in his interviews this past weekend, it suggests that he's, you know, again, he's been careful with those players the same way as he was bringing players back in uh, toward the back end of last season, waiting until they're proven fitness before they get match time, um, and then and then kind of easing them in. And it sounds like certainly Fletcher and uh, and Lee are kind of getting closer to the first team. I think Hooper's a little bit further back. Westwood um, seems is fairly fit, and then you've also got players like Jos van Aken as well, who we you know we didn't really see much of last season. So um, yeah, there's 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 a whole host of players coming back into the squad, and it does pose a whole series of questions in terms of what his first choice eleven is going to be. And some of these players have been out so long that they never actually even played under Yas. So there'd be a little bit of a, I think of an acclamation there. Like he doesn't actually know what they can do and how they fit into whatever his plan is for the for the squad and the formation and the tactics in the in the upcoming season. So it'd be a good chance to sort of work that out in the upcoming slate of friendlies. Well, there hasn't been much action on the transfer front, really players in or players out for Wednesday. There's been 
a fair amount of news elsewhere in the championship, and we'll start with Nottingham Forest outside of their uh, FFP transfer ban now, trying to go uh, full Wolverhampton on the league, James. <laughs> the trouble is, whenever you say Nottingham Forest, Jeff, I kind of uh, I, I can hear myself uh, just kind of humming that little okay. uh, little John Ditty in the back that uh, that Evan sang so beautiful beautifully for oh, us last season. <laughs> Little John and Robin Hood uh, diddling in the forest, right? Little um, John and Robin Hood are walking through the forest. Oolali, oolali, golly, what a day. Thank you. That's exactly what I could hear. That, that's made my evening. Um, it's been, it's been a, been a, good been day a well. golly like, of a day for any Portuguese player that uh, <laughs> has turned for yeah, his so, head so, this so suddenly, Wolverhampton, you know, has has no longer quite got the cachet as the place to go in the championship. If you've uh, if you're looking for a massive payday, um, it's now all about Nottingham. So, uh, yeah, as you said, they, they're kind of outside of their FFP uh, transfer embargo that they've been through under the last couple of years. But the the benefit of that obviously is that they've been quietly accruing a probably a not so significant loss. So. Uh, they've decided to go full wolves on their expenditure. Um, they've not only decided to go full wolves in terms of the actual uh, financial model, but they've also forged the same relationships with uh, Jorg Mendes and uh, his um, his scouting network. So I think they've signed. Um, I'm, I'm going to blank on all the names of the players they've actually brought in, but they brought a couple of players in from Benfica. They spent 13 million on a midfielder. That sounds very uh, very familiar if you feel, if you remember the Ruben Neves model from Wolves last season. Um, they've brought in, I think, four or five new players. You know, Karanka is is obviously part of the equation there in terms of putting a promotion-winning squad together. They are certainly setting the uh, setting the pace in the championship in terms of of ambition and aspiration to be a very very different side this season. But they're not alone. It's it's, it's going to be an absolutely fascinating league next year. I think. Um, you know, when we start to name check some of the other teams and how you know some of the strategies they're taking. Um, it just kind of sets a, a really, really high high bar, I think, for Wednesday in terms of the challenge of, of getting back into that top six equation. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I guess the one advantage has, we don't know how this is going to play out with Wednesday's, Wednesday's own FFP issues. But you have a, as we suggested, fully fit squad that gelled, that's played together now for, it seems, you know, for four years, basically. Is there some value in in continuity over the splash signing, Evan? Or are we just talking ourselves into it because we don't have any money to spend? (laughs) I I think that... I truthfully think that a starting 11 for us with everyone healthy is one of the top six starting 11s in the championship. And I think that with our depth, that pushes us into the top, I would say, four. Right, I think what we saw last year was obviously that it sucked to to have eleven players at a time injured, but to see some some of the guys, the fringe players, come into the squad and start to gel with themselves, I really think that will. I really think that will translate this year. Uh, you know, we we talked plenty last year about how Carlos. He had his guys that he just didn't like, didn't want to play, didn't want to bring along. Matthias was one of them, especially. Uh, knew he, golly, he didn't get it the time of day, and all of a sudden he comes out and he's one of the top scoring strikers in the uh, the championship. I think that that experience paired with the just overall veteran experience we have coming back from injury, I really, really think if as long as we don't do a complete overhaul and sell everyone right now, I really think we'll push for top two. 
I, I am I am incredibly excited for this season. Obviously, we were all excited for it last year. Um, you know, it's you know Carlos in his third year, and he obviously had this dream, and we had this great squad. But but this year it feels I, I don't want to say it feels different. We say that every year. Um, but man, it, it just seems like we are we have all the pieces in place. We have a manager that's focusing on fitness. And as long as we start fast and start strong, I really, really think that this will be a, a, an incredible year for us. Uh, but all, all of that depends on, on what we do financially. You know, are we going to end up getting rid of Hooper or Fletch or even even Hutch or Westwood? You know, what's, what's going to happen? Um, there, there are a lot of unknowns right now. But as we get closer to the season with the squad we have, I get more and more excited. You know, it's fascinating, isn't it, Evan? Because you, um, when you were rattling off the stats earlier on, you quoted Cardiff, who obviously ultimately went up in, in second place uh, last year. So for, for all we compare Forest to trying to follow the Wolves model, there's a lot to be said for trying to follow the Cardiff model, which just getting that kind of nucleus of a squad that's more than championship capable and just fusing them in a, in a really, really effective way, the way that, uh, that Colin did with, uh, with Cardiff last season. And, you know, they started fast, but they didn't let up. Um, and there's always a team that does that in the championship, right? So there's going to be the big spenders. So you're going to see Forrest, you know, absolutely bust a gut to try and uh, try and do what Wolves did. Um, I'm sure the teams coming down, the the West Broms, the Stokes are going to splash a bit of cash. Um, but there's there's a place in there for someone to do exactly what you've just described, and oh, it would be it would be immense to see Wednesday do that. Just quietly, calmly put that squad back together and and go about their business. Um, I think that's actually that that's the height of our of our aspiration for this season, isn't it? That that Yoss goes about his business in in a sort of low key but very very effective way. Yeah, there's. No I mean, I, this this sorry, but this squad finished fourth two years ago, right? And it was depleted last year. And once, when it was depleted, we had a bunch of of fringe players step up to the plate and do pretty well at the end of the year. So we have a squad that finished fourth with guys behind them that have experience playing together. I mean, come on! There, there's nothing, there's nothing more exciting than that. And I mean, realistically, you know, we're not getting that pacey winger. We're not getting probably two extra center backs into the fold of you know, sort of that sort of you know, the British steel model, like the 28 year old veteran, you know, defensive marshal. We're probably not getting. We might sign another striker. We already have seven, but what the hell. Um, so this is what it's going to have to be, and I think you've got to. I think we'll really sort of see the the tactical nous of of Yas, as the as the commentators like to say. He's supposed to be this promotion specialist. We knew going back to sort of the fitness stuff that he had a reputation coming in to English football as being a bit of a of a taskmaster and a, and a hard worker. You know, a guy that really practice, practice, practice. You know, if you don't work hard in practice, you don't play that kind of stuff. And you're, I think we're starting to see that in preseason as well. So. It would be a very sort of, I guess, you know, sort of a South Yorkshire cliche in a way, you know, the Steel City, if that if that Steel sees them through this year. But I just, you know, <laughs> you saw what Wolves did let, last year and just how well it worked. And you have these teams coming, like, even more so than Forrest splashing money around, because Forrest did this with, you know, Michael Antonio and Asambalaga a couple of years ago, which is how they got into the FFP mess in the first place. And it just... You know, just splashing money blindly can go can go south in a hurry. You know, I think we've seen a little bit of it to a lesser extent at Wednesday over the last two years. Just it's now 
you've got you know Villa is still around. You've got all these teams that have come down in the last two years and haven't gone right back up that are still getting parachute payments. You, know, you have Stoke and West Brom, you know that were established Premier League teams for almost a decade, and that war chest that comes with it. It's just you know it's. I guess we're gonna have to be underdogs again and i guess that's maybe fun james i mean it's fun until you're in 12th place at christmas it, it it's fun but it's also it's the only strategy we have available this season so i mean let's look, look, just just lay out some facts right we we know that we cannot afford to to expend anything really this summer and by that i don't mean that we're not going to spend money on players but money out has to be covered by money coming in and over the course of the next 12 months, certainly before we get to next summer, we're going to have to move on some of the high earners and, and ideally bring some income in because that's the reality of the profit and sustainability rules. So we're not going to follow the Wolves model at this stage. You know, that, that kind of opportunity is missed. So we have to we have to hope that we can execute that exactly what you just described, which is that we can be low key, that we can be a bit kind of under the radar, but that we with now some experience and a squad which is hugely, hugely talented if it's deployed in the right way can outwit those uh, those big spenders and there's a lot of them right i mean if you look at it in terms of total expenditure on on playing staff wages uh, likely transfer fees you know wednesday are going to be roughly mid table probably um you know maybe upper mid table um if you, if we before any balls are kicked but we have got a playing staff that really knows this league and so there's no reason why that can't be successful um we just have to be patient with it and uh, and trust to the the coaching staff and coach and trust to the players And what transfer news this there is, we'll cover now. Uh, finally, after I think seemingly covering this on the first episode on the show of what I think is the 31st at this point, we do have a resolution to the endless George Hurst contract saga. And he's headed to the second division in Belgium, James. <laughs> Which is obviously where we all thought he was yeah, going to end up, right? You know, uh, Manchester United, Everton, Everton Leicester, yeah. or... Um, <laughs> Somewhere that sounds like Glenn Leuven's. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, look, we, we could look at this on face value and say he's joined a, uh, a small Belgian club uh, that's managed by Nigel Pearson, who's a good friend of David Hurst, which is a great development opportunity. Or we could look at it on the kind of obvious uh, tangent, which is that there also happened to be a feeder club for Leicester City who offered uh, several bids last summer for him uh, heading up to, uh, to a couple of million pounds. And... Um, and uh, you know may possibly uh, look to uh, to move his registration uh, in uh, in not too long a period of time. It, we Conspiracy! could be conspiratorial, or we could just say good luck to the lad. You know he's a young lad. He's um, it was writing on the wall. He wasn't going to make it. it. He wasn't going to find a, a harmonious position with Wednesday. Um, the real shame here is that Wednesday are not going to get due compensation for for the development that they put into George Hurst. Um, because by him signing for a foreign club, they managed to circumvent the rules in terms of uh, money's owed, uh, either through tribu- tribunal or, or just kind of the FA rules in terms of fairly compensating the team that that, that um, develops the younger players. So that that leaves a bit of a sour taste. But let's be honest, we all knew he was leaving. So um, you know, I'm 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 not getting too too excited about it. I think we could probably have a conversation about. Um, the tweet that he put out this week and how well judged that was. Um, I'd be curious to know how the two of you read that because there's certainly been a, a fairly uh, divisive reaction back in South Yorkshire. Well, there's a 
I mean, there's like a long tradition of athletes of all sports sort of doing this on various levels. You know, like the the long-term star somewhere might like take out a full newspaper ad in the you know the local paper of record all the way down to you know if, if some i know i primarily cover you know baseball prospects you know most of the time they'll just tweet out oh if they've been traded because they don't have any say in it is the other thing in a lot of cases um you know obviously this was at someone's direction set this all up whether it was you know George, David, his agent, et cetera, et cetera. I don't really want to get into the conspiracy theories. I think we can all sort of map out what's going to happen and why it's going to happen this way fairly easily. And James uh, alluded to it already, if not outright stating it. But it's just, yeah, I mean, it's, I think, so there's a couple of things. On. I think there, it's entirely possible that he genuinely, for the most part, did like his time here and, you know, is appreciative of the development opportunities at Wednesday, but at the same token, maybe should have read the room a little better than he did. I I, I just uh, yeah I, I don't I don't care at this point. You know he I don't want to say he's dead to me. I think it's a little dramatic, but uh, you know look he he didn't he didn't want to sign a contract with us. He didn't. He moved on and. I think as a professional, no matter what your age is, uh, you kind of have to, there, there's almost a, um, an expectation that you send something out like that and he did it and that's it. Okay. He's gone. Let's move on. It's how many goals did he score for our first team? And by you the know, same it's over. It's over. We're it, done. Like, go right, on. Right, 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 right. See ya. And it's okay because we have signed the Bulgarian George Hurst, Preslav Borikov to a professional contract. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, I am too. Actually, he's uh, he. I think what what did you call him last year, James? A, a boat or a freight train or a unit? Something of the sort? An absolute a unit. unit. <laughs> okay, a unit which can be anything. Like boats are units, trains are units, planes are units. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pumped about it. I hope he gets. Uh, I, I'm sure we'll see him in the preseason. Uh, maybe for the U23s against Frickley Athletic. Um, <laughs> Or you know, I'm sure we'll see him at some point. But yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. You know, he obviously had a really good, uh, really good run last year with uh, the developmental teams, and so and, and then this summer, I guess he played for what the Bulgarian under twenties, under twenty threes, or something, and and did pretty well, captain the team at one point. So uh, it's pretty exciting. It's it just even generally, and I know I know this actually wasn't in the agenda, but. Uh, They've seen such you know great success bringing players through in the youth team, um, so much so that uh, our youth team staff is getting post poached by big clubs now, James. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I, I guess if you've kind of been really really following Wednesday news over the summer, and let's be honest, there hasn't been a huge amount of it. Um, one of the big moves has been that uh, Ben Wilkinson, uh, who has been uh, I think coaching our. I think it's the under 18 side at Wednesday. I could be wrong on that. And apologies if I've got the, uh, the age band wrong um, within the youth setup. But Wednesday has, uh, has signed to, uh, to go and join the Manchester city Academy and he'll be running the under 23 squad uh, at city, which, you know, the city football uh, organization is absolutely 
uh, you know, first rate in terms of player development. It's an international organisation with uh, with ties into the US here and into the Australian and uh, and European leagues as well. It's a big, big step up for for Ben, um, who obviously is, uh, you know, second generation of a of a very uh, famous coaching uh, family back in the UK with big connections to Wednesday. So it's a real testament to to his talent, but also to to the sort of talent that Wednesday have had around the academy over the last few years. And you know, he's not the only one moving on. We've had Andy Rhodes, the uh, the goalkeeping coach. Um, who's you know done wonders with uh, with bringing through players like Joe Wildsmith and, and Cameron Dawson over the last couple of years, who's uh, gone to be the assistant coach at Oldham Athletic, um, former alma mater of uh, of John uh, Sheza Sheridan. Um, so yeah, there's um, there's been some movement in the backroom staff, but I think a lot of that actually reflects on just how you know how good the uh, the talent is that we've had access to over the last few years and the challenge for Wednesday is going to be making sure they bring in uh, consummate talent to match that and keep on the, the same process bringing through more players and, and kind of coming back to your broader point about Barakoff and, and the first team I, I think from the interview with Yoss this weekend he was stressing that you know somewhere between five and eight um, youth players have been training with the first team in the first first week back again they're, they're, they're with them again this week you know it suggests that he's going to heavily utilize them in the squad next season so not only that kind of those senior pros coming back in who we were talking about as new signings but the likes of Ash Baker, Borokov, um, you know Fred, uh, Fred Nielsen others who you know maybe come in and, uh, and and can do a job so there's actually a lot of options available for him when you look at the squad in in, in that kind of aggregate sense when you factor in the youth setup as well. And that was another sort of reputation he had as far as, you know, coming into Wednesday as a reputation of, you know, blooding new players in, whether by, in fairness, entirely possibly, mostly by necessity last year, he did do that. And, and I expect to continue to see it this year, too. I think we'll see it from the word go, to be honest, Jeff. I mean, I'd be very surprised if in our first starting 11, we don't have some surprises from the youth setup kind of uh, mixed in there. Maybe that uh, strike pair will be New Hugh and Borokov. Because <laughs> that would throw everyone for a loop. In there. Yeah. I'll get a tattoo of both of them. How's that? <laughs> One on each thigh. Oh, my thighs aren't big enough. <laughs> <laughs> could, could you get Borokov across two thighs? I would actually happily do that, yeah. I knew who on your back. Mm. Writing on. on... Borkov's shoulders on my thighs. Standing on the shoulders of giants. Oh my gosh. Anyway. My body is going to be just a giant piece of artwork. <laughs> well, it already is, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Evan, you're a piece of artwork to me. Thanks, buddy. Can you tell there's no actual squad transfer news for us to talk about, listeners? Um, so there's been... Repetitive rumors that Wednesday may need to clear some of these bigger contracts out because of FFP. Do we have any feeling of how much or who they might need to sell, James? Well, the good news for Evans back to two is it's not Addy Newhu, right? So oh, yeah, um, the Newhu yeah. contracts come out. So I, we, I think we speculated about it and like was announced the day after our last show. Yeah, absolutely. So literally, when the ink was not yet dry on Evans' massive back to two of Adi Nihu, um he uh, he pledged himself to us for eternity. So, um, so Evan is absolutely locked in, which is great. Um, yeah, I, it, I mean, it's not been exactly busy, has it, in terms of uh, activity? Other than that, um, 
obviously uh, we signed uh, Padil down for an, for another year. Um, there's not really been a lot of other people kind of uh, signing on for for extended periods. Um, the only real speculation outwards at the moment, I think, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about Jordan Rhodes. You know, we, we've covered it in the FFP podcast that. Selling Jordan Rhodes may seem on face value like a good idea because, you know, we could recoup the amount uh, we spent on him and he hasn't maybe had the impact that he we all wanted him to. But doing that is going to have a very negative effect on our FFP calculations because of the uh, the amortization of his transfer fee. So it appears that, you know, through some fairly reliable um, connections, Wednesday are exploring the option of, of loaning him out, um, either within the championship or possibly to uh, to the Scottish Premiership as well. Um, but the the fees that have been quoted in terms of a loan fee, uh, just a, a three million pound loan fee, is an opening negotiating point for him. Plus, obviously, his you know very significant wages are, are apparently a barrier to other teams taking him on. So, we'll wait and see how that develops. I'm sure that as the window gets closer, um, you know, teams who are short a, a proven championship striker might might start to get tempted. Um, and then there's the obvious speculation in terms of of some of our you know quote unquote prestige players as well, the Barry Bannons, Fernando Forestieri's. Um, you know, things may be quiet right now, but I'll wager that as we get into the back end of July, the first week in August, as the window starts to close, I think it closes almost, you know, four or five days after the start of the season. There's going to be a lot, lot of speculation about those players because somebody who comes in with a big bid for, for you know, someone like uh, Fessy or, or Bannon is really going to tempt Wednesday's metal. Um, you know that that would make a big dent in our PNS calculations. So, how much we want to hold on to those players, how much other teams want to uh, to try and tempt them with uh, with better packages is going to be fascinating to watch. That is news for another day, though, because gentlemen, we have a kit, and it has stripes, and the blue stripes in the middle for the people that really care about that stuff. And I know you're out there. Yeah, I think it's a great kit. I think, uh, you know, it's not earth shattering, but the stripes are back and I think we can all kind of be happy about it. There's not, I haven't really read much moaning about it, to be honest, other than it not coming out for some people. Uh, I don't know. I don't even want to get into that. I'm tired I mean, of that it's, shit. It's been moaning because it's yeah. Sheffield. But it, uh, overall, great kit. Great kit. I hope the, the second one doesn't come out and just absolutely stink of shit, but um yeah, this one this one's good. There's not much more to say about it, right? There's, there's stripes. It's a black collar. We have black shorts. Um, it's yeah, it's great. Guys, you can't be that low key about it. I have mean, you not noticed just how much of a big chuffing deal this kit has been over the past three years in Wednesday history? I mean, yes, well aware. <laughs> Even going back, like, see, everyone. I, so I thought well, the first. It- I thought the first Chen Siri kit, the the Wembley season one, was really good. I mean, I think that was probably actually made, it might have been approved and made before Chen Siri officially bought the team or whatever, but it's like, you know, it had a collar, I think it was a blue stripe in the middle too. Um, I can pull it out of my closet, but... You know, it was a really high quality. Uh, Jeff, kit. I'm actually in my closet right now. I'll oh, have yeah, a look. Yeah, have a look. I can't. I can't remember. I know there's one fairly recently that had a white stripe in the middle, but I, I pulled out the one that has no stripes. That's the, <laughs> that's the controversial. I oh, know it's a it's a white stripe. There's a white stripe in the middle. The, uh, the Maybe that was the issue. You haven't had a proper one with a blue stripe in the middle for a while. It had a kind of cluster of a uh, of a blue sort of horizontal stripe though to uh, to back out the Chancery uh, branding, which yeah, didn't really yeah, work. Right. right? So yeah, yeah. It's, it's a big deal, right? Having the stripes back. I mean, look, I, look, I'm on record. Personally, I quite like last season's kit. I like the fact that we we were just playing in blue and white, and I, 
not that fussed about stripes but the uh, the traditionalists which turn out to be about 95 percent of the wednesday fan base have been uh, falling over themselves and you know there was this kind of line going that transiri didn't want stripes and he was never going to have the team playing in stripes while he was owning the club well you know guess what he listened to the fans and the fans said they wanted stripes you got stripes um it's a nice stripe kit. It actually looks, and this is this will date me almost as much as uh, remembering the last time that England won a uh, a game of uh, a football on penalties. But um, you know, I remember the nineteen ninety nine two thousand Wednesday kit with the uh, the all blue back and the uh, the really really neat what uh, blue and white stripes on the front, which was an absolutely awesome kit. Absolutely shit season. Uh, so uh, so hopefully this season we'll do a little bit better with this one. My one, I, this isn't even really a quibble, but. Sort of, I wish they had almost played more to that kit and done a full black collar. I know the little one button mock thing is a popular sort of stylistic player in kits generally now, but I like a full proper collar. Black collar with the black shorts, yeah. It's, I mean, I'm still going to buy it as soon as they announce New Hughes squad numbers. I know what to get on the back, but. Yeah, if they had just... a full black collar, it'd be a lot like the, uh, the old Puma, uh, is it Sanderson? Um, that, that's the one, Evan. That's the yeah. one. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. The Samson it, kit from 1999. Yeah, it's close. It's close. Uh, if, and, and if it was a full black collar, I think it'd be almost identical. I'm actually looking at my closet now to see if I've got that <laughs> one as well. But uh, that that one's in a box. It's not. I have it upstairs. I'll, I'll send a picture later on. <laughs> All I want to know, Jeff, is: Are you going to get the laser sculpted athletic <laughs> profit, or are you going for the, gotta, uh, the slightly less sculpted uh, average replica kit? So it's kind of like, how much do I want to spend the extra 40 pounds on kind of a lark? <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Um, I mean, I am curious about like sort of the laser sculpting. I don't think I have to like measure like every inch of my body to size this properly. I am curious about that. It does look like from the promo pictures, they've at least found one that fits New Hue a little bit better. Yeah, I was pretty excited for him. Like, it's not... I still feel like it should be longer on him, but... We're closer. He might not have to wear an undershirt this year. But almost that's almost like part of the aesthetic now. I feel bad if he... Like, if you're new Hugh and you've scored that many goals, like, in the second half wearing an undershirt, you have to just keep wearing an undershirt, right? Strikers are superstitious like that. Sure, sure. I thought he was just covering his belly, to be honest. But, um, but yeah, yeah. Let, let's hope he keeps on wearing it. And the kit got rolled out, at least in some sizes. Again, much to the consternation of Wednesday fans, at a, a very successful Owls in the Park. Looked like I me. Mean, it always just looks like a really cool thing that more teams should do. Every time I see it from afar, I think, guys, including there was like a looked like there was a full five-a-side pickup game with kids and Wednesday players. You know what? It, we, we give the club such a hard time as a fan base, you know. And and I I put a tweet out about this on on Sunday because obviously you know we're all several thousand miles away from it, so we're just watching the the tweets that are coming out. But what an absolutely incredible thing to do for a professional sports club to run an all day event in the park next to the stadium where kids and their families can come and just literally hang out with the players. And like you say, they're playing five-a-side football. So, you know, Zhao and Newhu and Westwood and Fessy are just playing five-a-side game after five-a-side game with these, you know, just just the kids 
you know, the, pe- the people who idolise them. Um, it's all set up so that the, the park is filled with stalls from local charities, you know, organisations that are affiliated with the club, the community programme, but, you know, get a huge amount of kind of um, exposure and uh, and just passing trade as well, you know, from, from the thousands of fans who come down to, to hang out with the players. Um, it's got an amazing feel-good factor. You know, it, 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 it's a it's the club playing a critical role in the local community that, that very few other clubs really emulate in any way, shape or form. And it got bad pressed last year because the timing was allegedly wrong because of the 150th um, anniversary and so on. But it's just an amazing event. And, and I, you know, I, I think this one, as far as I can tell, again, from a distance, it was just passed off exceptionally well it set a really good feel good factor with the fan base and you know the club need to be applauded for it because they put it ultimately they put it all on for free you know there's, it doesn't cost a dime for, for fans to wander into the park and have that experience and that's that's amazing i saw a great quote or i think it was like a sweet thing someone parent was saying yeah it was great you know we had a great time you know my kid was running around trying to get the ball off jow i just wanted like the finisher that and then he got it and jow fell over <laughs> And miraculously, no players got injured. There goes his knee. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So take a break now. When we come back, I know we already like have done a forty-one minute show or thereabouts, depending on how much intro kerfluffle I put at the beginning of this. We'll have some dispatches from American soccer and also Russian soccer. One of the reasons there's not much soccer news Wednesday or otherwise is because there's a big freaking tournament going on right now, Evan, in Russia. It's known as the World Cup, I'm reliably informed. Uh, of course, the U.S. men's national team is not in it. But I know for my money, I don't know how much you've seen it since you've been traveling, uh, one of the better World Cups of my lifetime so far. Even the bad games are, like, weird in a good way. I mean, the France-Denmark game was terrible, but pretty much every other game's had something to recommend. Yeah, I've actually been massively disappointed because the first uh, two or three weeks, I guess, of, of the World Cup, I was able to watch just about just about any match I wanted to. Um, and my schedule kind of lined up really well to, to some of the premier matches. And I was truly enjoying it. And then all of a sudden I got a call to, to fly out west and work 12-hour days, seven days a week. And kind of lost lost everything or i lost everything no i i just uh, lost my ability to uh to tune in so it's been a little disappointing but yeah it, everything that i've seen it has the world cup as as an outstanding one um i work with a, a few um few folks of hispanic origin uh, a couple people that grew up in mexico uh, i worked out i worked out in denver with them and, and they were obviously very excited uh, about how things were going for mexico until uh, the last match but but you know uh, overall it's just it's been incredibly exciting the last day with germany uh, in germany's group uh, was was outstanding um i'll tell you this much there were um some some guys listening to the radio they listened to the Mexico match for the first half and then turned over to the Germany game for the second, as you can imagine. And uh, when that game went final, they were, they were screaming. I mean, they, they were um, it, it was it was outstanding. It's a great scene, and uh, I've really really enjoyed it. I mean, there's, there's crazy scenes I think in Mexico City too, around like the South Korean embassy. They had like the ambassador come out and do tequila shots with them, and 
it really just it, it, because it comes around only once every four years i think you just forget like how like when you're in the thick of it just how crazy it is from start to finish like it's almost a perfect tournament and you know i know the the football ramble made made note of this uh this morning but like you know the next tournament in in, in qatar is going to be in november we might have 48 teams in the in the u.s and 2026 which i guess has also happened since the last time we did a podcast oh yeah we're getting a world cup uh, assuming all of our livers aren't pickled by then i'm sure we can do uh somehow weave it into the ellis americast over the summer but god i'll be 44 that's depressing um <laughs> you just forget like when you're like watching today it's just like today's game like i was okay it's you know it's july 4th week at work we're not that busy I may have had the game out on my cell phone at my desk. But even like, and the Sweden-Switzerland game was not great by any technical definition of football greatness. You know, the one goal was scored on a wicked deflection, but it was just like, there was it was just dramatic. And it was just, it's like, because it's so do or die with the, you know, the three game format and the groups and then the, the knockout stages it's just it's like a absolute perfect sporting event from from start to finish and james england even won on penalties <laughs> uh hence why i've been de- day drinking all afternoon uh, jeff That's aka uh, work, work, now, working remotely before the holiday and I, I'm, look, this is a Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I shouldn't mm. be spending my time waxing lyrical about England. And it's quite frankly, be your only chance. <laughs> anybody who knows me knows that over the past sort of um, probably about the last eight to ten years, I've I've kind of detached from England. They're kind of in, England as an entity and as a as an identity is not something I really spend a lot of time worrying about or or really caring about, to be honest. But England, as a football team, won not only a game on penalties, but a World Cup game on penalties. World Cup knockout which round was game. extraordinary. Um, there are people alive who don't remember Euro 96 and England beating uh, beating Spain on penalties en route to the uh, the semi-final catastrophe with uh, with Germany. But, you know, A, David Seaman had the best goalkeeper kit in history in that, uh, that semi-final shootout. Uh, sorry, quarter-final shootout. But... Um, this afternoon, John Pickford probably uh, played a, a better game as uh, as goalkeeper. I mean, he made an immense save before the uh, the whole defence went absent for the Pompey's equaliser, but then was absolutely superb in the uh, in the penalty shootout. And not only was he superb, the players were immensely superb as well. They seem to have kind of finally kind of shed that um, generational fear that English players have of uh, of taking penalties. And did I mean, it a lot the of them weren't alive in Euro '96. Well, which, so. which probably helps. I mean, uh, you know, Kieran Trippier uh, step up and uh, and take plaudits, right? But it was amazing. And and you know what 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 I kind of take out of this, not just this afternoon, but like the last few weeks, which has been phenomenal here in the states, has been just how excited and how passionate and how enthusiastic people have been about the World Cup in this country regardless of the fact that the USMNT are not not you know not participating and that's I know I'm in New York and I'm in a metropolitan area but there's there's a real buzz and a real engagement a real energy behind it and that can only be good for the game here it can only be good for the future of the game it can only be good for the world cup that comes along when uh, Jeff you and I are going to be in our 40s and uh, and Evan is probably not quite going to be quite as old as that but it's just been a phenomenal experience and and it carries on right um you know there really have been very few poor games so uh, so lots and lots of things to look forward to and even though fox only wants to talk about messi ronaldo and like the mls players which is pretty funny because uh sweden 
in the morning game has uh, Gustav Svensson starting because Sebastian Larson was out on yellow card accumulation. And he's been playing in for the Seattle Sounders. And he's like their second, I think he's actually technically like their third choice, you know, central defensive midfielder. <laughs> but they had a lot of information on him. And they just talked about him for like most of the first 20 minutes of the show, of the broadcast, when they weren't misidentifying the last time Sweden got to a uh, World Cup quarterfinal. I said 1998 a bunch, when it of course was 94. The last time it was in the US. And that has been a hallmark of Fox kind of mailing in there. Like I have the Fox Sports app and the NBC Sports app on my phone, so I could just watch the Telemundo. And I actually went back. Uh, James, I do recommend this if you want to feel particularly patriotic in a weird way. Go back and watch the entire like Telemundo feed of the penalty shootout. It's fabulous. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, I'll, uh, I'll do that knowing the result, Jeff. It'll make <laughs> yeah, me feel yeah, much better. Yeah. By the way, I, sh- I should point out that the MLS made a material contribution this afternoon as well with the uh, with the re- referee, right? Oh, um, God, yeah. yeah the Premier, English Premier League has not much to contribute one referee to the World Cup this year, but the MLS, the US MLS, has, has had a representative, and he was absolutely god-awful this afternoon. What so point, well what done. Would, could you identify the exact point he lost control of that match? I'm not... <laughs> I guess when he, <laughs> when he didn't give the red card for the headbutt? Well, actually, it was actually when he gave the yellow card for the headbutt. Because you could either let it go and call it incidental or just a bu- little bit of handbags, or he purposely used his head and made contact with another player's head, which by the laws of the game is a red card. Yeah, or you could interpret it as, oh, he tried to give it a headbutt, but you know he didn't really execute it very well, it didn't really connect, it ended up kind of headbutting his chest, so I'll just give him a yellow. That'll be all right. <sighs> we move on. We do. To dispatches from American Soccer. And it's a, it's a bittersweet dispatches this week, especially for one uh, for one Evan Skilter. Evan, what's your uh, emotional state right now with the news that James O'Connor is headed from your beloved Louisville back to Orlando City? Um, I'm happy for him, and I think it's well-deserved. He's been definitely, I know I'm biased, but he's been the best coach in, in USL, Division Two here. Um, you know, his team's finished, I think, first in the East two years and close to, took, I, I think, it's two or three the year before. And, you know, they were USL champions last year. And he, he's, he's a phenomenal coach. He's, he's done a lot with, with a little. Uh, Louisville is actually still in the U.S. Open Cup. Um, and so they're in the, I believe it's quarterfinal by now. Uh, just they've beat one or two MLS teams on their way there. So, it's just it's been a fantastic run, and I think it's time for him to to get the recognition he deserves and and to move up for for a greater opportunity. Uh, but that being said, it's very disappointing. Uh, it's disappointing that he won't be in Louisville, a team that I've followed pretty closely the last couple of years. And um, it, but it is what it is. Uh, it's fa- it's a fantastic opportunity for him, and. Um, it's actually kind of neat. It leads into our actually next item on the agenda. Um, I tweeted out a picture, I think Al's AmeriCast did as well, of uh, me and Sean McCauley in Seattle watching the World Cup together. Um, yeah, it actually happened. It's, it's so strange. I was um, the, the the Timbers, Portland Timbers, who McCauley assist coaching, um, they were playing in Seattle that day, and I just happened to be there for a conference uh, for for my master's degree and 
I walked into the hotel where the the conference was taking place and saw the World Cup was on TV. So I grabbed a, I actually think I grabbed a scone and some tea. I'm not I'm not even kidding you. It sounds funny, but uh, I grabbed a scone and some tea and sat down and was watching and then looked over and and there was there were a couple guys sitting with uh, Portland Timbers gear and I figured out oh, these guys are here for the match and looked a little closer and I saw Portland's head coach and a familiar assistant uh, I don't remember his name but I've seen him around and the guy who had his back to me had gray hair and I thought man that that has to be Sean McCauley right and, and so I walked around just kind of discreetly threw threw something away in the trash can so I could see him and and sure enough it, it looked a lot like Sean McCauley and after some consulting with the Alzheimer cast uh, WhatsApp group, I decided it was Sean McCauley. So I waited until the end of the match, so I didn't interrupt. Uh, it was a good match, by the way. It was Argentina and France. Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, walked up to him and introduced myself, and there couldn't be a nicer guy. I mean, he, he was just a, a phenomenal fellow to talk to. Um, asked First asked me my thoughts on Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, and the financial situation, I kind of walked through it, and, and he told me his, which was basically, yeah, we have to get rid of a few guys, but he was insistent we keep area around. Um, and and then he, he asked me, like it would be a normal thing, he asked me, oh, did you text James and, and talk to him about Orlando? Like like I would just generally text James O'Connor, you know? And, and what's funny is I had thought about it, because we do have his number from uh, an interview last year. I thought about texting him, but I figured, you know, it, that number was for interview purposes only. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. And Sean's like, oh. Or I said, no, I didn't. And he said, oh, you need to. You need to send it. Do you need his number? And he pulled his phone out. <laughs> and I said, oh, no, I I actually have it. I'll send, I'll send him a text. No I actually problem. have it, Sean. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, thanks, Sean. But um, he just, he was super friendly. Um, and it was a great meeting. And, and I did text James and, and tell him, you know, congrats from all of us. And uh, he did say thanks and that he appreciates it. So hopefully when things slow down a little for him, we can get him back on the show and talk a little bit more about MLS. It was sort of an incredibly serendipitous moment, Evan, but it, it, it's also a really proud moment for us, for us guys. Um, I love that a conversation took place, you know, on the West Coast of the USA between, you know, someone who's done great things for Wednesday, but someone also who's done great things for building the Wednesday fan base here in, in yourself about another Wednesday player who is now achieving really, really great things in American soccer. Um, and that, that all those points are triangulating. It's uh, it's phenomenal. And, you know, the, con- the connections keep on building. So, um, you know, I know we send all our best wishes to James in terms of his success at Orlando, but it it just goes to show what, you know what the power of the Wednesday family and the Wednesday brand can be in in the continued growth of the game here in the US. So um, we'll just have to kind of stick you on a plane so you can keep on being in the right place at the right time to uh, to make all those connections. Yeah, actually, Orlando plays in Columbus this month. This month at the end of the month, and so um, I'm still debating. Do I send James a text and say, "Hey, you want to want to meet up before the game? What do I do?" Um, <laughs> you might have some things ah! to do. <laughs> he's, you know, I'm sure he's not doing anything beforehand, right? Like, he won't be busy. So, you know, let's get some lunch and some beers, man, and watch watch TV. At end of the month, you could watch the Frickly Athletic game. Oh yeah, what, what's the date of that? It's like the day July, before. It's July, July 27th. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. No, I'm looking at it now. July 27th, and uh, they play in Columbus on July 28th. It's perfect. It's perfect. 
They're going to be a live stream of that somewhere, I'm sure. Speaking of Frickly Athletic, Jeff. We are. We have to move to our preseason preview. And we're not going to start with Frickly Athletic, however. James, do you want to do a quick rundown of the sights and sounds and give our American listeners a little insight to Lincoln City, Mansfield Town, and Villarreal? Could you ever have picked three more <laughs> yeah. disparate places? Um, but let's be honest, this is this is all fluff, isn't it? It's all preamble for, yeah, yeah. for Evans' preview of Frickley, which we're building towards. Uh, so yeah, so uh, so Wednesday's preseason uh, uh, schedule, as it stands, has three uh, three games um, over the next couple of weeks. So uh, Lincoln City is is a short hop. Um, I forget which league they're in now. I'm not sure if they're actually still in the league. They're probably uh, kind of somewhere around the upper echelons of the, of the conference. But um, Lincoln is a cathedral town uh, in the east of England. It's um, part, you know, the, the seat of the county of Lincolnshire, which is pretty much flat, barren and farmland. Um, nothing particularly wrong with it. Just uh, basically onions and potatoes and not much else. Uh, very nice cathedral if you uh, if you want to go out and see it. Uh, or maybe it's Minster. I, I lose track. There's a difference between a minster and a cathedral, but the people of Lincoln will tell you about that. Uh, what I will say is that you know Lincoln City is a really nice little club. Um, we've played there in pre-season before. Um, we've got actually a really nice uh, Wednesday family connection as well with Terry Hibbard, who um, has uh, has done a lot for for the Wednesday community um, you know, in terms of Al's online and, and otherwise. And he uh, he's there uh, running a lot of their media and communications work and doing a tremendous job of it as well. So uh, there's a good relationship between the two clubs. We'll look forward to that. Mansfield Town, I think, comes uh, comes after that. Um, Mansfield is sort of the uh, the forgotten corner of Nottinghamshire. So uh, on the way down to the illustrious uh, Nottinghamshire Forest, um, somewhere north of Nottinghamshire County, is uh, is Mansfield, um, which doesn't have songs about it. Nothing Disney has ever done that Evan would remember or be able to sing a ditty to. Um, but we'll uh, we'll go down there and play them uh, play them again. We played them before uh, the start of last season as well, so they're for any regular haunt for uh, for Wednesday. And then we uh, then we come back to Hillsborough, and at the end of the month we uh, we entertain Villarreal, who uh, are somewhat more illustrious as a uh, you know obviously a prominent um, uh, Spanish uh, Spanish Liga uh, side. They've uh, played in the Champions League and the Europa League, um, and they seem to think that Hillsborough is a far far more um, exciting stadium than perhaps it is in its current iteration. Uh, in that they posted a picture of the version that would have uh, resulted if England had actually hosted the 2018 World <laughs> Cup on their website. So um, their fans may be slightly surprised when they rock up at the end of July, and we'll uh, we'll see how that all fl- plays out. But the that that's all the preamble. Like I say, what's really important here is the under 23 schedule and there's an easy trip to uh, to Hallam FC uh, up on the hill above um, Hillsborough uh, the Sandygate football ground one of the oldest football grounds in the world uh, which I go past on the way to my in-laws every time I go back to Sheffield uh, lovely place to go and watch non-league soccer um, when Wednesday aren't playing but the game we're really excited about is Frickley Athletic and uh, Evan I think you're going to give us a little preview about that well, I, I know nothing about uh, the players on their squad but yeah Frickley Athletic was introduced to me in 2011 um, by a, a fellow named Scott White, and Scott was starting a a soccer club in Zanesville, Ohio, just east of Columbus, and um, somehow got a hold of me and asked me if I would set up the um, social media and and kind of get things going on the on the press side for the club, and I did so. And the first time I met with Scott, he was wearing a a shirt that had a crest of Frickly Athletic, and I said, what the frick is that? And Scott said, oh, it's my favorite club in England. I said, oh, well, you know, I, maybe I just missed it. You know, what league are they in? And he said, the Evo Stick Premier League North. 
I said, what in the hell is that? And uh, so somehow this fella in, in Ohio from a fairly small town stumbled across Frickly Athletic and really for no reason decided to become a Frickly Athletic super, flan- super fan. He still follows them only via Twitter, right? They're, they don't have a, an iFollow and they're very seldom on BBC. Um, and he has like a kit from the last from each of the last seven years so he is just uh he is over the moon about frickly athletic and so i'm very excited that my favorite team and his favorite team get to match up against each other i actually haven't talked to him for a really long time but uh for some reason that's always it's always stuck with me you'd probably be fairly safe in betting their kit came out earlier than ours the last few years too <laughs> actually their kit if you look it up um, very, very similar to ours. Yes, I did make a note of that. Style. Yes. And so, um, yeah, I, I would encourage everyone to look those up because uh, yeah, very, very similar. There, they have the the blue and white home kit, and then uh, the away strip is is like a yellow and black. Well, it's been episode thirty-one of the Owls Americast, Sheffield Wednesday opinion with an American accent, and I realize as I start doing this little spiel that I may have accidentally copied over my usual notes, my little cheat sheet for this usual spiel. So I will note as I kill time and get the document up that has it properly that James did short Lincoln City fans. And as as you said, James, it's a flat, barren wasteland. So they don't have much to look forward to, but they can look forward to Lincoln City playing in League 2 again this year after finishing 7th in that league last year. <sighs> Basically, when something like this, you can find our podcast... I got it, I got it, I got it. I got it. On... Oh, okay, good. Yeah. This has been episode 31 of Owls Americast. Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American Accent. You can find us on owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. And find us on Twitter at Owls Americas. The podcast intro and bumpers are my fellow Wednesdayites, Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbeam, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show, just do what feels right. And wherever you choose to consume Owls Americast, we ask that you rate and review the show that helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. And speaking of ramblings, you can leave the show a voicemail on our Days and Mumbled line at 1-401-307-1867. International rates do apply. You can dial it for free using Google Voice. James is on Twitter, at Manhattan Owl. James, where can we expect to uh, find you broadcasting from for our next pre-pre-preseason episode? Remarkably, from Manhattan, I'm actually going to be here for the next few weeks. No, uh, no international travel. Um, Jeff, that was consummately delivered. Congratulations for for reading that script once you actually found it. Actually, have in front of me. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna use the uh, the moment I have on the mic just to uh, to say uh, wish everybody uh, in the USA a very very happy birthday for tomorrow. Uh, so we're recording on the uh, on the eve of Fourth of July. So um, it's been a good day for England at the World Cup, but it's an absolutely great day for America tomorrow when we celebrate our independence from said mother country, right? So uh, from one uh, from one expatriate who's increasingly less uh, less ex and more at home, um, uh, have a very very happy Fourth of July, all you uh, all you Americans out there. So I saw a very funny tweet today. Nothing ever bad happened to 
England on July 3rd, at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a good day in history. Tomorrow, tomorrow is an even better day in history if you, uh, if you look to the future. Evan is on Twitter, at Ohio Owl. Evan, if you have, uh, you think you can find room for a third tattoo, what striker would you get? Zlatan Ibrahimovic. That's fair enough. I think Zlatan probably has a tattoo of Zlatan somewhere on his own body, so it's a proud tradition. <laughs> I'd actually get a tattoo of him with a tattoo of him oh, there you on go. him. Like tattoo Inception. Yeah, for sure. And I'm on Twitter, at Jeff Paternostro, and we'll be back, assuming there's ever any interesting Wednesday news, or... England wins another game on penalties, whichever comes first.